Are you glad to be in the house of God? Let's begin with prayer, can we? Father, we thank you. I thank you for every person that's here. We thank you for your plans and purposes for each and every one of us. Open heaven today. Release unto us what you have designed for us to have, who you've called us to be. We thank you according to your word. We are what your word says we are. We have, we do, we obtain, we fulfill. We've come to do your bidding, to come into the alignment of the assignment from heaven. I thank you for the joy comes out of that relationship with you, Lord Jesus, and out of doing what you've called us to do. Touch your people today. We thank you for, let the breath from the Holy Spirit, the breath of hope and faith, just stir and encourage each person today. And we give you praise, Lord Jesus. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. We've been doing this summer a series called The Final Countdown. Have you enjoyed this? And we, we've done it, uh, the four of us. Okay, well, it's just for the summer, so hang in there for those who are like, I'm not really into end times. We're going to be ending it soon, but we've done it based on questions, and please keep the questions coming. We have a few more weeks to go uh, if you have a questions about end times. And so, now there are a group of questions that have come in that are, that are important, but the answer won't take very long. So I'm prayerfully looking at that this Tuesday, if the Lord willing, on our online live Bible study that we do. So check that out on YouTube or Facebook if you haven't already. We do a lunch break devotional and going through and answering a bunch of those questions that uh, people have asked. But thank you for, I mean, we have gotten hundreds of questions. So thank each and every one of you for participating. And uh, it's, I've enjoyed it. I enjoy doing uh, last days and I believe we are in the last of the last days. Do you agree with that? And the goal of the series was to basically, instead of following something chronologically, you ask questions and we work on answering them through the Word of God. We work with the premise or the, the boundaries, you could say, that, listen, it's not a matter of trying to get all of us to agree. When it comes to future events, there is a level of uncertainty. We work with our knowledge, our revelation, our past experiences, past teachings, and we want you to have an opinion. And it doesn't need to agree with the person next to you. The, the point is to keep Jesus number one and to stay in unity. Can I get an amen to that? Because if you have to be in agreement with everything, especially when it comes to end times, you won't stay anywhere long because relationships are about all of us growing. And if you're growing, then things should be changing even in perspective. I work on the premise that I have my views and anytime I'll say it, I'll say this is my view and here's the scriptures that I use to get it. But I'm also, I'm also knowledgeable that Knowledge continues to increase as we get closer to the end. And if the Holy Spirit reveals more from the Word of God and changes my view, so be it. Because I'm not married to my opinion. We are committed to Him, okay, and obeying Him. So it's about staying in unity, not in agreement. And if you disagree about certain things, that's, fun. that's fine. I want you. And if you've, you're a guest with this, one of the cultures we created here at Hope Church is I want you to challenge everything with the Word of God. Just don't be quick to adopt something because I or anybody else says it. Because the world's filled up with people who go to church that say they know what they believe, but they really don't believe it. They are just regurgitating what they've been told they should believe. And I want you to challenge it in your own time because that's how we learn and grow. Amen? Amen. So we have been doing, we have been doing this last question. We're almost to the end of it. And we've talked about the, uh, the timeline of end times. Let me throw this over here. And so we've looked at, I'm going to bring my little iPad with me. So we have looked at the context we've, about the church age, 
And again, we've done a message on each one of these. And then we've talked about, after that, we talked about the rapture. Now, some people, there's a lot of different views on the rapture. And in that message, we talked about the different views. Some people believe the rapture will happen before the tribulation, some in the mid, some in the post, some not at all. We get that. And so I, I gave, this is my view, I believe the rapture will happen before the tribulation, and I gave scriptures why. You can disagree with it, that's fine. You pray for me, I'll pray for you, we walk in love, can I get an amen to that? All right, and then after the rapture, we talked about the tribulation, the seven years, what's happening during that time. Daniel refers to it, he go, talks about the 69th. 69 weeks, each represented a time frame, and then the 70th week, so you'll find that in Daniel. We did a whole message on that. After the tribulation, we talked about the second coming of Christ, which is not the rapture, because in the rapture, he never touches the ground. First time he came, he was on the earth, and that was when he was born through a virgin birth. The second coming is when he actually comes to the earth which will happen, has yet to happen. And when he comes, it's going to be a big deal. Can I get an amen? And for those of us, it's going to be a great deal, those who love him and serve him. After the second coming, the events that happen with that, we've talked about the, the thousand-year reign, also called the millennial reign, the millennium. And for a thousand years, the devil is imprisoned the kingdom is set up, and Christ reigns. We talked about what's that going to look like, what's going to happen. And after a thousand years, the devil's released. And you're like, why would God, he's got him, he's got him down, he's got him in prison, why let him go? Well, you got to understand is during this thousand years, and I don't want to go too much in review, during the thousand year reign, there will be people that made it through the tribulation that weren't saved, that didn't go up in the rapture, and they, weren't, they didn't take the mark, and they were able to survive. That's where Matthew 24 comes from. I had someone ask in one of the questions, should I even consider my husband and I having a baby? Because Matthew 24 talks about uh, woe to those who are, are pregnant or have children at that time. That's not for us. That was, Jesus was not talking to the church. Those people confused that. We did a whole message on that. Matthew 24 wasn't to the church. Matthew 24 was to the Jews different context. So go ahead and have children if you want to have children. Amen. And so there's, what's happening is for a thousand years, which is a long time, right? Our country's a few hundred, couple hundred years old. So we're, you know I mean? we're talking a long time. There's people that are still in the natural, that are outside that they are living, they are having children, they are doing life, and they know what's going on. And the devil's released because it's given to every person an opportunity to choose Jesus. Yeah. See, that's why in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him without perish but have everlasting life. And God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. But God will never override something that he gave you. Amen. I think that's one of the things that happens in the global church world sometimes that can really put people off, and understandably so, is when men and women of God 
that don't understand this begin to apply pressure on people to change the people's will. You can't force someone to be saved. God gave each and every one of us this thing called a will or choice. That's why in the Bible God said to his people, choose this day whom you're going to serve. So you can't, now I'm not talking about your five-year-old. You don't ask your five-year-old if they want to go to church. Come on, somebody. My seven-year-old just wants to sleep in. Well, no, you can train up a child. Whatever that means to you. It means different to my generation, to the next generation, to, anyway. But when it comes to salvation, you can't force people to get saved. You can't force people to live for God. They have to choose. And so God's not going to wrap all this up and have a group of people that he didn't give them a choice. Now, I've taken a little different perspective. My perspective is we love everybody. God tells us, love him, love people. Even if they don't want to go to heaven, we'll love them. But we're also honest. We tell the truth in love. That if you're not serving Jesus, you're on your way to hell. There's a place for you on the bus to go to heaven. We would love for you to be there. But if you choose to go to hell, we're not staying back to help you. And we can't pray you out of it. We can be praying for you that your eyes would be open, that you could see, and that God would send the people into your path. And if you have unsaved family members or friends, that's what the Bible tells us to do. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. Pray that God would send the right people into their path. Well, pastor, I know I can lead them to the Lord. Yeah, but you might not be the one that God is wanting to use to reach them. I look at everybody's heart like a combination lock. You might not be one of the digits, but God knows who he needs to use that, for that person to hear. Because some of us, they already know what we're going to say, and they tune us out. And so what do you do? You don't force, them, force the gospel down their throat. No, back off, love them. Pray that God would send the right people that would speak words in due season, the Bible says. Am I helping anybody? And that releases you from being something that you're not called to be because you're called to reach people. You're called to reach someone, but you're not called to reach everyone. And so it's not your job to get everyone saved. It's your job to obey the Holy Spirit. Let him use you. And if that person, God didn't call you to reach them, pray for them and pray that God would send the right people into their path that would speak the words that they need to hear that would open up their hearts so they can get saved. Amen? But besides that, you can't pray people out of hell. And that's, that's been a, a bad mindset in the church. Well, I'll live any way I want. It don't matter. I got, a, I got a, a grandma who is, she loves Jesus and she's a prayer warrior and she'll pray me out of hell. No, she won't. You will split well a hell wide open, blaming Jesus, blaming your grandma and never blaming yourself. You have to choose. In these last days, you have to choose. People can encourage you, but they can't force you. You have to choose because it's not just an action, it's a heart conversion, amen? amen. And so there's all these people that'll be, that will be born and they have to have an opportunity to choose to get saved, to choose to follow Jesus. And that's why if there's no devil, if there's no temptation, then the, the choice is easy. No, they have to have an opportunity. So the devil's released, the Bible says, for a short period of time. How long is that? I don't know. I don't think anybody does. But the devil goes throughout these, these people and he gathers an army to fight against God. 
to fight against Israel. And they gather this army, and as they're approaching the army, it, the, the way I read the story, Jesus is getting ready to go out and take care of business, but before he even gets a chance, out of the throne of heaven, fire comes down and consumes them all. And then everybody's brought up to what we talked about, the great white throne judgment. I'll just put judgment here. Now, we also talked two weeks ago about how the, the, this judgment seat is for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. As Christians, we have a judgment seat, which is called the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat, and it's not a condemning thing. It is a time of, of reward based on your obedience to God on the earth. We did a lot of verses that say that. It's not an old fearful thing. The word judgment is actually not used in the original text when the translators decided we're going to use judgment. It is the connotation that you would see even in the Olympics, that the winner stands on the pedestal and gets a reward. That's the context. Basically, you'll be rewarded for your obedience, what you've done for God. And it's the, the actual reference of the original text is the Bema seat, the Bema seat of, of Christ. And I had a Jewish friend come up to me, uh, was in the service, and say, hey, in, in the Jewish temple, there is a place where the, the speaker has like a, a podium or lectern, but next to it is a table that they set the, the word on, and it's called the Bema seat. And I thought, think about that, because who is the word, John 1.1? Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. The judgment seat of Christ. It's the seat where the revealed Word sits and will stand before the Word of heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. So we talked about that. So that's the final attack, the judgment, and then we go right into this new age of eternity. That's what we want to talk about today out of Revelation chapter 21. It's called the New Jerusalem. Have you heard this before? Okay, Revelation 21. We'll throw that on the screen. New living. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Now, some theologians believe that it'll be like a nuclear warfare because it talks about fire consuming everything. I don't necessarily believe that, um, but there's going to be a renovation of the earth, a renovation of the heaven. Notice, so one thing we notice is a new New heaven and new earth. So for all those who've been convinced that the earth is going to just disappear and we're all going to die because the resources of the earth are gone, no, won't happen. The earth is the resource created by God. It's, the, it's literally created for us. Did you hear me? People say, we need to protect Mother Earth. Let me help you out. Don't get offended. If you get offended, pray for me. I'll pray for you. The Earth's not your mother. It's just not. And people have taken that thought so far that they are literally, they, some have strategized on how to eliminate 
people to save the earth. The earth's here for us. And at a certain time, God's going to renovate it, change it, clean it up, and bring it back to the way it was before the fall. Can I get a better amen than that? So it's not going to be like, oh, we just got to make sure we need to kill cows and no one should drive with gas cars. And we just, you know what, just leave that alone. I'm not trying to be political, but remember when all the emphasis was on uh, recycling and then they finally found out that they are literally polluting the earth worse in the recycling process than, (laughs) folks, let me give you a phrase that will help you when it comes to this stuff. Follow the money. Just don't listen to the message. Look who's talking and follow the money. So I, I, it's almost insulting for someone to, to fly on a private jet to a city to tell people they shouldn't drive a car. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You choose. If you want to go with that, go with that. I love you. You love me. We'll pray for each other, and we'll just go on with life. And so, but God is... The earth is God's creation, and there's going to be a time because of what Adam did. He brought in sin. He brought in the devil, and there's a corruption that's happened to the earth. Romans 8 says that even creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And at the end of the day, there's stuff happening. We've talked about that. Why is bad stuff happening? Why does God allow it? And we talked about before that the earth is under a lease between God and Adam. Adam gave it over to, to the devil. But there is a time frame. I did, went into very in-depth teaching. There is a time frame of the lease. You lease a car, you drive around, you wash it, you clean it, you say, this is my car. It's the leasing company's car. You're making payments to it. But at one time, eventually, if you don't sell it in advance, you'll get a letter from the leasing company. And this says, your lease is about up. We want our car back. And that's basically what's happening. God's leased the earth, and why doesn't God just take it? Because through his word in Genesis, he says, we'll let man have dominion. But he knew that time would come, that the lease is up. And he's going to say, the lease is up, I want it back. And when I want it back, I'm going to renovate it. Well, why would God renovate the heaven? You've got to understand, notice the singularity, a new heaven, not new heavens. God's not renovating his throne room. That's the, what the Bible refers to as the third heaven. That's scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. But he'll purge the earth with fire, 2 Peter chapter 3. And he'll also do the first heaven, which is the atmosphere, which according to the word of God in Ephesians 2, verse 2, the devil is the prince of the power of the air, the atmosphere. So you have the he- first heaven, which is this atmosphere around the earth, And then you have the third heaven, which is the throne of God. And my logical assumption is the second heaven will be somewhere between those two. Now, I I will have a little bit of gray area in my understanding because dimensionally, and I love quantum physics and that kind of stuff, and science and time travel, and you know what I mean? Because time's going to change at the end of this. We move into a place called eternity. Did you know God created time for Adam? It's linear, but God is... God lives and operates in the constant present, and he is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, and he's going to wrap up this thing that we know as the dimension of time, and we're going to move into a dimension called eternity. But my question has always been, when you ask people where heaven is, they always point up. 
But if we take you on a plane to the, our Hope Churches in the Philippines, which we have a lot of them over there, and I ask them where heaven's at, they're going to point up. Well, if people on either side of this earth are all pointing up, it really is pointing out. It'll click with you eventually. <laughs> Unless you believe that we all live in a flat earth, and then it would be up. But if we're on a road, okay, so... So how that works, I don't fully understand that one, but I don't have to know everything. We just love Jesus. Amen. So it's a new heaven and a new earth, new renovation. He's bringing it back to like he started. And at the end of the day, God's plan will be finished. God's plan will be finished. He will, he will develop the earth the way he wants it. Verse 2, and I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from, from God out of heaven. Like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. And he will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. So we also see that after this happened, God says, listen. One translation says, God's habitation. God's saying, I am, I am coming to the earth. I have renovated it. I'm bringing the new Jerusalem down. And he is going to live with his people. The Bible actually tells us that we'll have no need of the moon or the sun because the, the glory, the brightness of Jesus. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. We'll get into some of the science and specifics of this. But, you know, when Jesus said, I go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you, welcome to the party. God is among his people. He's returning things back the way he originally had it with Adam before he fell. The next thing we see in verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Notice this. No more Are you ready? Look. Tears for all of you who love Rom-coms and crying, sorry. No more death. No more sorrow. If your boyfriend breaks up with you, you just won't care. <laughs> I'm joking about that. I'm just seeing if you're listening. No more crying. And no more pain. Wow. What a great place to be. This is much better than a Disney cruise. I'm telling you, this is like the best destination place. This is going to be amazing. No pain, no tears, no crying. Now, in verse 4, he says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. I believe my opinion. I believe, why is there tears in our eyes? I believe because we had just come out of the great white throne judgment, and we will see everything that's going on. We'll watch even as the devil will have to bow his knee. The Bible said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Believe, the devil will bow his knee before the throne of God and be judged. 
In fact, the Bible says that when that happens, that the nations of the world will be watching, we'll all be watching, and that they will be amazed. Are you ready for the amazing part? They will be amazed because what's such an insignificant creature has captivated and held the world in fear for so long. Wow. Basically, people are going to be like, where's the devil? Him? Really? He's the one that has imprisoned people, bound people, tormented people. But he will bow his knee, and he will be judged and thrown into the lake of fire. Now, the unfortunate side will, so will be, so will everyone who has rejected Jesus as their Savior, because he is the only way. The Bible says that it's only by him, that there's no other name under heaven given to man that they might be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. I don't care what you've seen in movies or TVs or in, in uh, college lecture halls. It doesn't It don't matter what they say. There is no other way to get to heaven. It's only through salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. And so the, the tear part will be some of us will see family or, or friends or people we care about that will have made the wrong choice and have to kneel before the throne of God and be judged and thrown into the lake of fire. Some of it will be because of our inability or our choice not to reach out to them. Some of it will be just their choice regardless if you reached out to them or not. That's why it is, that's why we encourage you folks to pray for people, to invite people to church. We got these tagged by gods because you can always wear it, but use it as a let the Holy Spirit create a moment to place upon your heart to reach out, tag somebody, give it to them, invite them to church, pray with them. Why? These are all different ways that we're working with you so that you can be a part of reaching people because at the end of the day, when this happens, Matthew 25, when the door is closed, that's what Matthew 25, when it's over, there is a, a door closing that there is no more opportunity for salvation. And it's real, and it will happen. Yes. And some of us have been church long enough, we say, oh, I've heard that so many years, i got plenty of time. And that's the trap of the enemy. Because you will never have the time that you think you have. So we have to wake up, make sure we're living for God. It's someone asked, how do I know if, I, if I'm doing enough to make it to heaven? You'll never do enough to make it to heaven. Because you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a matter of, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. I need you. And I invite you in my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Amen. And then obeying him, living for him. Amen? Amen. But there, there is coming a season, God, in this renovation plan. Have you ever renovated something, a kitchen, a house, or whatever, and you're like, here's the pictures of what it's going to look like? I wish we could have pictures. But we definitely know no more tears. So the tears will be us seeing people going to hell and hearing their screams as they go into a place of eternal torment. No death, no ceasing forever and ever. And God sent his son to die on the cross so we wouldn't have to be exposed to that. This is real. I know a lot of people are manipulated in the church world. I know they've used it for things and, 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 and bash people with it. But it is real. Don't ever let anybody, I just don't agree. It don't matter what you agree with. Right? At the end of the day, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, we want you to go to heaven. So God's going to renovate the earth. 
new heaven, new earth. God's bringing it home. A lot of people think when they get to heaven that they're just going to stay in, in the dimension of heaven. God's also going to bring that heaven down to earth. That's one of the prayers I haven't been finished yet. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to happen. Jesus never prayed a prayer or said something that was out of his own idea. It's always from the will of the Father, he said. So it's going to happen. And so we're going to be living back on this earth. Although our houses are going to be a lot better than our houses today. Can I get an amen? No matter how nice your house is, it, there's a better one. Looking for a mansion. Come on, somebody. And no more tears. And if your mansion's not as good as mine, don't worry about it. Because there's no tears. No sorrow. No jealousy. Come on, somebody. Verse 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Everything new. I just, I'm going to write it here. Just everything is new. This is better than the smell of a new car that wears out. And then they try to sell you that little scent. Have you ever bought one of those scents? You've had an older car, don't smell like new, and they sell you that little thing you dangling, it's like, or put it on your AC. What's the point? All you have to do is look, and you know it's not new, right? I mean, you, you sit down, and you're like, oh, new. Okay. Easily convinced. Everything's new. God's plan. And I love this because, it, to me, it shows the nature of God. Because the nature of our God, of our God is He makes all things new. Yeah. Salvation. You're a new creation, new creature in Christ Jesus. So wherever you're at in life, if you feel like, man, I'm bummed about my past, you can have it dealt with. Because Jesus makes all things new. He's the only one that can wipe away and eliminate that past and that guilt and that sin. And experience the newness of God. And the, that's just not for the people that are unsaved or the people that are, that are kind of like carnal and in between. This newness is something for all of us. Because you might be saved and living for God, but you know what? If you're not careful, you'll get in the rut of the routine and lose the freshness of the newness. Our walk with God can be new, and it's not a mind over matter thing. It's a spend time in His presence and His Word thing. How much until you experience that newness again? David said, restore unto me the joy of salvation. The word in Hebrew is sassoon, the newness, the joy of salvation. And if you're here and you've been saved and you know you're going to heaven, but you've lost the newness, let me encourage you. Get back into your prayer closet. Get back into the time with the Word of God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of the old timers, you pray it through. Get a breakthrough. Pray until something has changed. Amen. All right, moving right along. Verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, now this verse is kind of interesting. Come with me and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Verse 10. So he took me, to, took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Why is this weird? Because the question is, let me show you the bride of the lamb. And he then takes them up to a high mountain and shows them the new Jerusalem. That's, that's interesting. 
Because I've also heard that we're the bride of Christ. Huh. Not everything's going to be absolute. Here's what I believe, my opinion. I believe what he was seeing is, because Jesus said, I'm going away and prepared a place for you, and the new Jerusalem's coming down. And in the new Jerusalem is where we'll dwell. And where we dwell, you can see inside and see, see us. That's my opinion. Now, someone could say, no, it's New Jerusalem, and you're right to that view. But mine is just not playing of words. Let me give you some verses that refers to us being the bride of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 says, Paul tells the Corinthian church, I promised you as a pure bride to one husband. That's Christ. Ephesians 5 says, verse 31 and verse 32, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So now I personally believe that we're the bride of Christ. Amen. But I also believe that we're the body of Christ. Yeah. So we've got to get all that figured out. Getting quiet. You're waiting for me to give you the punchline. I don't do that. I bring you to the edge. And I want you to do the research and come to your own conclusion. What you think it might be. You're like, what if I get it wrong? What if you get it right? Just pray, Holy Spirit, show me get and study the word and come to a conclusion. Because it's pretty interesting that he says, here's the bride of Christ and you see New Jerusalem coming out. So you could almost say, well, there you go. It's pretty straightforward. Unless there's more to that within the text. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I love messing with people. I'm sorry. <laughs> you mean, the church, have, have you noticed the church world, we have a tendency of one person is supposed to be the answer all to every question, and they answer every question for you, and then you're like, I don't need to think about anything. If I ever have a question, I'll just go ask pastor. Pastor puts it right back on you. I'm going to leave you with questions and answers. Because it's important for you to know and the way to know is not just hearing me say it. It's from you studying in your own time, getting into the Word, because that's important. Verse 11, it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious gem, like jasper as clear as crystal. So notice it's clear and crystal, and that's where I go back to my idea that we're the ones glowing. We're the light of the world. We're in the image of Christ. We're the body, and we're glowing, and it's the glory of God on our lives is transmitting through those walls. My, my opinion. Verse 15, the angel talked with me, held it in his hand, a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its walls. Catch this. When he measured it, he found it was a square um, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were 1,400 miles. Some translations say 1,500 miles. So that is 1,500 miles or 1,400 miles width, length, and height. Now, some, of, some theologians, I don't agree with this, but I throw out all the different ideas. Some theologians believe that what it's doing the height, that it's actually like a pyramid because it's going from center up to the point. I, I think it's square. But either way, verse 17, it's a big place. Are you ready? So if it's 1,400 or 1,500 miles, let's, we can pick either one. It would take up, to give you a proximity of this, it would take up a half of the United States. 
So that's one big city coming out of heaven. And if everyone had a random number, 2,800 square feet by 12 feet high, space to live. You're like, not me, Pastor. I want a 50,000 square foot apartment. Okay, that's cool. But just for argument's sake, if everyone occupied 2,800 square feet, 12 feet high, because they've got all these dimensions, that city would hold, are you ready? One zillion five hundred trillion people. And you won't be banging on the wall saying, turn the music down because but there's no sorrow. There's no sorrow. There's no sorrow. Huh? Maybe you should put no complaining or something there too. Verse 17. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick according to human standards by the angel. And the wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. Can see gold that is so pure that it's like glass. Our Jesus is not poor. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. And the 12 gates were made of pearls each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Wow. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. And we've talked before about we got to bring back to the balance. We are going somewhere, church, in eternity. Yes. It's going to be amazing. But that doesn't mean we forget about the present. God wants us to do something on the earth. Right. While we're here, we need to do something. Yes. But let's not forget that what we do impacts also where we're going and what we have. Right. Jesus said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So what we do here impacts there. We have to keep balanced. If all I do is I think about there, I'll just sit around and wait for there. But if all I do is focus on I need to do something here, I'll lose sight of here impacts there. And both are important. Both motivate us. Because we we need to reach as many people to get into there while we're here. Do you see it? Well, God has it all in control. We'll let him do his thing. You know how God works? Through you, through us. Well, I'm not called in full-time ministry. No, but we're all called to be ministers. That means make a difference in somebody's life. Can I get an amen? Because you'll, you'll reach people I'll never be able to reach. You'll talk to people I'll never see. And so it's not a matter of we'll let pastor do it or we'll let the staff do it. No, the mindset is, listen, we have an amazing destination. Again, this is, some of us get excited about we'll plan a, a We'll plan a wedding years in advance. Some of you planned weddings 30 years in advance, but we won't go there. We'll plan, we'll plan vacations a year or two in advance, and we're working toward it, and we get excited for it, and we're moving toward it. And I want you to know the greatest event that we'll ever... We don't want to lose sight of that. Nothing's worth going to hell. No one, no one... 
but I love them, but they're not worth going to hell. Well, they said that if I, they'll, they'll, they'll stay with me if I don't go to church. Leave their butt quick. Just walk away. No one's, no one's worth going to hell. Because if they'll take you away from Jesus, they don't care about you. I'm talking to somebody. Nothing. Oh, my job says I have to work on Sunday. Are you listening? Nothing's worth going to hell. And nothing's worth losing Jesus. Jesus understands. He does understand. That's why I put it in the book. And when Jesus is talking, he doesn't say, you know what, I know you're not serving me and you're busy and you got things going on. And I it's, it's what you, you know, you meant well. No, Jesus says stuff like, if, if you love your family more than me, you don't deserve me. Why? Because he is so amazing. And what he has for us is so amazing and so extreme. And hell's so extreme and horrible. That if you're even on that fence line of trying to, which one do I, wake up. God has an amazing place for all of us, and he wants us to bring people with us. Don't be like, well, I'm glad I made it. We're glad you made it. But we want you to not only make it, we want you to bring people, impact the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Amen. And that's one of my, my personal confessions and prayers for you, for you as members of the church, that you are big-time producers in the kingdom of God for the glory of God. There won't be people saying, oh, I didn't, when they stand before the throne, I didn't know they were saved. How come they didn't tell us? And it doesn't mean you have to be weird and, and corner everybody. That's why we talked earlier about being led by the Holy Spirit. But we got to get real. We got to be serious. Because I'm telling you, we are in the last of the last of the last moments of that clock ticking down. And only the Father knows but Matthew 24 tells us that we should be aware of what's going on and be able to read the signs. The great news is, oh, when we get to heaven, what a joy that will be when we all see Jesus. Come on, somebody. We're going to shout and sing. But I believe we can sing and shout on this side of eternity, right? Say, I win. See, if you're saved, we're going to win. And that's what, that, that's what literally David was taunting Death, hell, and a grave. Death, where is your grave? Where is your sting? Why? Because even if you try to kill us, we still win. Yeah. If you're born again, you still win. Say, I still win. Yeah. Now, if, if you don't know that, you can know that. If you bow your head and close your eyes with no one looking around. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 tells us, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's having that real encounter with Jesus that begins with a simple, short, but powerful and eternal prayer. If you're here today, I'm not asking if you know about God or even join a church. I'm asking you, is Jesus Christ real to you today in a way that you know for yourself, in your heart, in the way you understand, and the way you ex can experience and relate to life and things around you? Is Jesus Christ real to you? It's not Jesus is for the emotional people and all the intellectuals don't have to worry. No, in the way you think, in the way you process, and the way you understand, you can experience Jesus for yourself doesn't have to be like the people you've known or the people you sit next to. Only you can answer that question. 
So if you're here today and either one, you've never heard the gospel that God so loved the world that, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, on, was buried for us, and on the third day rose again so that we could be saved. Or maybe two, you knew, you knew about the gospel and you thought it was about a bunch of rules and legalism and all this stuff of do's and what you can't do and what you have to do, and you didn't know it's a relationship. It's a relationship, not a religion, my friend. Or maybe you used to be right with God, and for whatever reason, you've allowed stuff to come between you and God, and you know your heart's not right. If any of those are you, right now, I want to pray with you. Where you're sitting, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving upon your heart, pray this prayer with me out loud. There'll be a lot of people praying. Let it come from your heart. Say with me, Heavenly Father. I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to live for you. Thank you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, church.